Hi, welcome to the Metal Detecting Show, episode number 28. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for nearly 30 years. This week I talk to you about the dangers of metal detecting. So let's get on with the show. Hey guys, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at DetectingThe or Instagram at the Metal Detecting Podcast, or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at the Metal Detecting Show.com. And now, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the Metal Detecting Show. The link will be in the show notes. And lastly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends. And if you do anything today, remember to hit that subscribe button. Now is the time to get around to it. And as those young whippersnappers on the YouTube say, smash that subscribe button. Okay, firstly, onto my adventures in metal detecting this week. I got out for a quick bash before work today. I hit my local harbour wash beach and focused on only the rock solid bangers of signals. This meant that I was covering a lot of ground while ignoring any signal that may have an irony grunt to it. I did this by profile switching. Check out my previous episodes where I talk about the benefits of profile switching. I wasn't expecting to find much, but if you follow my Instagram account at the Metal Detecting Podcast, you will see my finds roundup. To be honest, I was just glad to get out there. I didn't care how wet and cold I got. I still hit my beach and I had to be very careful with the time because the high tide has a potential to trap me on the beach with nowhere to go for several hours. So on this beach, I tend to hunt as the tide is going out. But because of that, I thought I would do a quick roundup of the potential dangers any metal detectors can face while hunting. I have broken it into a few categories, but starting with wildlife and livestock. In Ireland, the only potential dangerous wildlife is finding some owl fella after falling into a bush on his way home from the pub and social pressure would dictate that you take him home to his doting mammy or derelict wife because you never know when you might need the same favour returned. Also, whether you know it or not, St. Patrick drove all the snakes out of Ireland. But seriously, in Ireland we have no wildlife that can potentially cause too much damage. However, the rest of the world, like Australia for example, where everything is trying to kill you, all have potential wildlife to cause severe damage to your person or life. The UK has a few adders that can potentially bite you, the US has bears that can potentially eat you, so make some time to learn about the local wildlife that potentially could cause you harm, be that in the water when scuba diving or snorkeling or walking the fields. Livestock, on the other hand, is a totally different story. And as you can imagine, Ireland being the best producer of beef in the world, fact, and that's a fact. I have had some experience with wrangling cows about. And that's not just in the local nightclub. Do you know cattle are responsible for over 100 deaths a year in the US? That's over 25 times the number of deaths caused by sharks in the US. One quick way of dealing with cattle is to make sure there is nothing behind you that could crush you when the cow comes over being nosy. Try to put something between you so as to not crush you. But if that's not possible, make yourself as big as possible with your shovel and detector in the air. This will stop the cow in its footsteps while they investigate what you're doing, giving you time to move off. Remember, they are just being nosy and the vast majority are super gentile but stupid. Don't feel bad if you have to flake a cow with your shovel or hand as they are unlikely to get hurt due to their size. But if you happen to come face to face with an angry bull, well, if a bull looks to be about to charge, then in all likelihood they will. 
and in that situation, the worst thing you can do is run, which you should only do as a last resort. But what you need to do is scream and shout and again make yourself as big as possible. But if the bull can't be deterred, then it's time to run. But run in a zigzag fashion. This will give you the extra feet to get over the field boundary. Cattle and livestock are generally only nosy and nothing to be afraid of, but be cautious around them. Up next is insects. I think everyone knows to stay away from bees, wasps and hornets. But there is one insect out there that is the scourge to all detectorates. And that is the mighty tick. A bite from these little insects can cause Lyme disease. Lyme's disease is a life-changing disease that starts with flu-like symptoms and a round bullseye skin lesion around a tick bite. But a point to note, this doesn't occur till 7 days later, so make sure to keep an eye on any tick bites you may have had as you don't want to miss the first stage. As recovery is almost guaranteed at this stage, however, secondary symptoms occur if the first stage is left untreated. These symptoms include Bell's palsy, a slow heart rate, meningitis-like symptoms with brain fog, fatigue and general achiness. There is a specific way of removing a tick, which I will cover in this week's Tech Timeout. But how do you get it? Well, the tick lives in long grass of a field or pasture, so don't wander in the field in shorts, no matter how tempting it is. Another disease to be aware of that could potentially sit in the wildlife section is wheels disease, or leptospira. This disease is caused and transmitted in rats' urine. Symptoms of Wheels disease include flu-like symptoms with a rapid heart rate, decreased urination, weight loss, nausea and swollen joints. How do you get Wheels disease? Well, a lot of people think you can get it from eating food with uncleaned hands. And there is an element of truth to this, but the most common way people get Wheels disease is from cuts in your skin coming in contact with a body of water where there may have been rats. Another infection path is with people swimming in rivers and the bacteria entering via the eye socket. To prevent this possible infection, always clean and cover any fresh cuts you get while out detecting. And always wear gloves with hand sanitization before you eat anything, especially if near a river or an infestation of rats. Now moving away from rats and ticks, the weather can be as debilitating. Be it cold or hot, both can kill. So make sure to be aware of any weather conditions you may encounter during your hunt and prepare and dress accordingly. But something to be aware of that you may not think of as this occurs even in mild weather conditions and that is skin cancer, the silent killer. Every hour two people die from skin cancer in the US and getting sunburnt repeatedly doubles this risk. So make sure to wear an appropriate hat and sunscreen with the appropriate blocking capability. I use Factor 50 to protect my porcelain Irish freckled skin. Lastly and possibly the most dangerous animal on the planet and that's people. In general, never underestimate the stupidity and aggressiveness of people. People will wrongly attack you either verbally or physically for any reason from a perceived notion they got from a Facebook post to misunderstanding what you're actually doing. Never turn your back on a stranger and always keep your eyes open for any person that may be approaching you. It is very seldom they approach you to say hi and tell you that you're doing a great job. Nine times out of ten, it is out of begrudgery. They think you are profiting from doing something they don't agree with and that can be fuel for a fire that burns deep down in some people, no matter how irrational. Even people who approach you with a smile and a joke can turn very quickly once you refuse to show them what you have found or when they don't believe you when to tell them nothing much.
So hunt with a partner or if you must and you're on your own, always tell someone where you're going and when you expect to be back, never engage with an approaching stranger if they are angry. Just walk away, take off your headphones, hold out your hands, hold them open, which seems to be disarming and move away. Avoid groups of teenagers. They are only looking to posture at your expense and always best to avoid. I don't want to come off as paranoid here, but I guarantee you every one of us has been approached negatively by someone when out hunting. And it doesn't take long for that interaction to escalate to something more serious. So be on guard and be careful. So I've outlined a few things to look out for when detecting. The majority of them can be mitigated with good hygiene practices of cleaning cuts and not eating your lunch with dirty hands you filthy munger, learning about the potential wildlife or livestock in your area that may cause you problems and always being alert to your surroundings and movements, wearing gloves and don't hunt a field or pasture in short pants. Up next is this week's Tech Time Out where I talk to you about how there's two ways to remove a tick, the right way and the wrong way, so stay tuned. Time for this week's Tech How to remove a tick if you happen to be afflicted with one, even after my excellent advice this week. Well, there are two ways, the wrong way and the right way. With the wrong ways rife with old wives' tales, so let's list the wrong ways firstly to highlight just that, to never try to remove the tick the wrong way. So several wrong ways include using petroleum jelly, aka basoline, Use a nail polish remover and the one we all have definitely heard of and even maybe voiced it as fact and that is burning a tick off. This and all previously mentioned methods will result in the tick regurgitating its stomach contents back into your wound increasing the likelihood of the very thing you're trying to avoid which is Lyme's disease. So there is a right way and that is as follows. 1. Take a fine tipped tweezers. Very fine. 2. Grab the tick as close as you possibly can to your skin, being careful to not squeeze his abdomen. 3. Once gripped, in a single motion, pull the tick straight out perpendicular to your skin. 4. Clean the wound, even though it will look like a little pinhead cut, make sure to clean this wound and apply antiseptic cream. 5. Finally, make sure to monitor the site of the bite for the following two weeks to ensure you haven't contacted Lyme disease. If you have any concerns about the wound or if it looks like it has a halo around it giving it a bullseye look, please go to your physician who will prescribe simple antibiotics. And that's it for this week's Tech Time Out. Stay safe and no hunting in hot pants. And that's it for this week. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Just search for The Metal Detecting Show. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash The Metal Detecting Show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. This is how we measure the success of the podcast. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy.